Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and uh, joining me is a, a first-time guest on the show. It's Alex Pruitt. Alex, what's going on, man? I love how just kind of calming your voice is on this podcast. Is it? Every time I turn it on, every t- yeah, every time I turn it on, I, I'm just very, very soothed when I'm driving in my car. Well, it makes ha- me less angry at the road around me. <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear that. I'm sure that uh, there's some people out there that, that would disagree with you, and maybe, maybe it goes the other way. Maybe it even makes them more angry than they were to begin with. Wouldn't that be great if, like, I got into a fender bender and the other guy was, like, really jacked up because he was listening to the PDO cast? (laughs) Oh, man, that'd be awesome. Um, So people that don't know you or haven't been following your work, you... uh, So everyone? No, come on. (laughs) You have more more Twitter followers than I do, so I'm sure that... uh, I I, I hope that some people know of you. Um, but you, uh, you're currently doing some fine work at, at the Sports Illustrated. But before we get into that, let's let's talk about your time at the uh, at the Washington Post on the on the Capitals beat, which you did for what, like roughly two seasons or so. Uh, one season, just one season, just one season. Yeah, yeah. I came in. Uh, I used to cover University of Maryland football and basketball, um, and then one day I was basically told I was covering the Caps now, and mm. so that was uh, my first day was. Uh, the first day that Barry Trotz and Brian McClellan got introduced into their new jobs. Well, and and we were talking about this before we started recording, but I think it's interesting that you know you, you mentioned that you weren't really a, a hockey guy before getting that job, so you kind of came into it with a with a fresh face and a fresh mind. Can I curse on here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Uh, I think my response to my boss, my former boss, when he told me I was covering hockey, was I don't know shit about hockey, mm-hmm. and I think his response was, "All right, we'll go figure it out." So, I mean, you know, you spend a summer, like, calling and scrambling, and, you know, I think I've set, like, a broad goal of, like, let's try to watch every Caps game from the last year, and that never worked. I didn't even get kind of close to that. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of calls. It's a lot of learning a new language, almost. Um, you know, like, you, you, I'd grown up in the D.C. area, so I was familiar with the Capitals, obviously, and friends were fans, so I'd been to a game on, like, a Little League baseball trip or something, and friends had talked my ear off, or, you know, they'd been watching when I went over to their house or something, but... Um, it was a world I didn't really know, especially definitely not on the level that you have to have to know it in order to cover it. 
Well, I, I think that probably worked into your favor a little bit. Like, obviously, once you got sort of the feel for it and you got the terminology down and, and sort of how things work, uh, obviously, your job would become a lot easier. But just like, I feel like sometimes it, the the content we turn out becomes like so stale and it's all just, you're just like regurgitating stuff. And, and for you to come in, coming into it without all of this kind of backstory and, and, and sort of things clouding your, clouding your mind, you could kind of approach it from a different new perspective. So I think that, I don't know, maybe you feel differently, but I feel like reading your work, you can kind of tell that you're uh, approaching it from a different perspective than most other people are. Yeah. And the circumstances certainly helped. Like I was coming into it, a fresh, relatively fresh organizational structure, right? Like Brian McClellan was, was new in his job as the GM. He had been there before, but Barry Trotz was new and, um, a couple assistant coaches were new. So, you know, you go to them and you say, Hey, I'm new as well. Like, let's, let's talk about this. Let's figure out what you're trying to do so I can actually have an understanding so I can write, um, on an educated level about what you guys are trying to do here, because it doesn't benefit everyone if I don't know what's going on or if they don't, or we don't communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and so, I mean, it, it probably helped that, uh, you know, in your first year on the job, you had to cover someone like Alex Ovechkin. And I've always wondered what kind of being around him on a daily basis would be like, just because from the outside, he just seems as like like this bigger than life character, both on and off the ice, which I think in hockey is, is pretty rare. I mean, it's admittedly a sport that kind of beats the beats the personality out of its stars, especially at an early age. I mean, you look at guys like Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews, and I guess maybe McDavid had that recent outburst directed at Brandon Manning. So it kind of goes against the point I'm trying to make, but you, you listen to their interviews and they're just so calm, cool and collected. And you could tell that they've had this vast media training where they've been kind of just told to not say anything that's going to rock the board or be too controversial. And then you have a guy like Ovechkin who just like is willing to just like say and do whatever he can and, and does it in, in, in an amazing manner. And I mean, he, he can say whatever he wants because he goes out on the ice and backs it up at the end of the day. So um, I don't know, just like, what was it like kind of spending so much time around him? That's a really interesting point that like, a lot of the superstars in hockey, at least I feel like to the people who cover them, don't necessarily feel like superstars because they are accessible because, you know, the locker room door opens and Sidney Crosby sitting there waiting or Stephen Thamkos is sitting there waiting and they'll hold court for, you know, 20 minutes and chat off the record and catch up with the guys who are, you know, from Cole Harbor or from Brampton or whatever. Yeah. Um, Ovechkin's not really like that. I mean, he, he, he does his responsibilities. He shows up and he, he talks and especially after games and after losses, he's there and he'll explain what's going on. Um, but I found that, that in covering him, you can probably do a better job covering him by not really talking to him a heck of a lot. You always have to get his side of stuff, but guys around him will do a much better job, I think, of explaining who he is. And, you know, so much about of writing about Ovechkin is about the phenomenon of Ovechkin and, um, you know, what he, what, to what you were talking about, the, the personality, the, um, the I don't give a fuckness, that, that, that way he kind of carries himself. Um, and it, it's totally informed how he plays on the ice too. Um, I mean, he's, he's this totally unique style of uh, the combo of a power and, um, dazzle, razzle, dazzle when he has to, or just, you know, will bowl you over or he'll cut inside and dance around you and whip a shot through your leg. I mean, it's very unique in the game. And obviously the rate at which he scored is unique too. And, um, it's, it's kind of in a way mirrored in his personality. I mean, last year I, I did a big profile on him around the playoffs and I sat down with him for, for I think probably about an hour and a half um at the team hotel in Pittsburgh when they were on a road trip there and that was that was really the only place I I mean I had to drive I live like 15 minutes from him and I you know we I drove up to Pittsburgh to go get him because 
that's the optimal scenario. When he's home, he has a life. He has, you know, he has a fiance now. He has his his boys. He has his his house and his nice cars and you know things to things to do. But when you get him on the road and you can actually sit down with him and you get him engaged, the longer you talk to him, I feel like the the more you can kind of uncover stuff beyond the the surface of you know here's this enigmatic guy who scores goals. Like oh, what do we know about the the Russian enigma or whatever? Right. But um, there's there's definitely some substance there. There's definitely some some thought behind. Uh, I think I mean he's also very aware I think of of how he comes off. Um he's very aware of of you know how he he can say very little and then that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um if that makes any sense, you know when he's in scrums and stuff, he doesn't really need to elaborate. Um because like you said, the play speaks for itself and it has for a long time with him. Well, I think that's why Patrick Laine coming to the league reminds people so much of Ovechkin. I mean, obviously the, the goal scoring ability and the shot is one thing, but we just rarely see a guy come into the league and just immediately be able to just like openly say what he's thinking and ha- and show off his personality and then also be able to, to go and do it on the ice as well. And I remember during the whole, uh, pre-draft process, like you could already see like some of these interviews Laine was doing and then there'd be like certain segments of the media or, 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 or different people online that would be like taking issue <laughs> with it and being like, Oh, this is never going to fly in the league and it's like like come on so like how about we just like let this teenager have a little bit of fun because after all he is uh just playing a game for a living so why not uh why not have some fun with it yeah and he's not being a jackass about it he's just he's just 19 and being like okay i think i'm the best player in this draft okay that's awesome now go prove it and he's doing a great job of it and if you can score ridiculous goals from just inside the blue line. Yeah, I feel like you're entitled to to flip your stick a little bit and holster it like it, like it's a gun and you're in the wild, wild west. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing because obviously, I mean, hockey is the ultimate team game and, and we, we, hear sure. that, we hear that said enough, but at the end of the day, like, it is the stars that move the needle. Like, good, good luck, good luck, you know, doing it, like, selling tickets, selling merchandise, winning a lot of games, winning the Stanley Cup without at least, like, a couple of these guys that are ultimately making the big difference. So, I mean, if you want to make a team full of role like veteran role players who are all playing the game the right way, go for it. But I don't think it's a necessarily a, a successful model. And I'm sure some people would love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they would. Um, not, 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 not you or I though, because uh, I, I, I love Alex Ovechkin. And, and I mean, the other day he scored his 200th career power play goal. And we're reaching that point of, of both his and Crosby's careers where they're going to start knocking off these milestones and reaching these nice big round numbers. And I guess it just sort of provides some perspective and it makes you think just, we spend so much time trying to nitpick a guy, especially like Ovechkin, just looking for his deficiencies and reasons to knock him down. And I feel like sometimes we just lose sight of the fact that, he's unlike anything we've ever really seen. And, and I don't know if we'll ever see anyone like him because I mean, he's scoring 50 goals annually these days where no one else is really doing it. And I feel like somehow that's still going underappreciated, even though scoring goals is the main objective of the game. And I think people realize how insane it is. I don't know. It's, well, isn't, I mean, it's, it's a little ironic, right? That the, the a big defense that you can give of Alex Ovechkin and, and, you know, the supposed like playoff failures or whatever it, it, it is that it is a team game. Mm-hmm. And that it's the most team game, and that even even in the playoffs, superstar forwards aren't playing more than really a little bit above a third of the game, right? Like they're playing, you know, maybe twenty five minutes in regulation. That leaves a lot of time left for your teammates to to, to mess shit up. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does, and, and then obviously, I mean, it's it's never their fault. It's 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 always comical to me when like the best player gets blamed for the team not not succeeding. It's like, well. I'm sure if the other players were as good as that best player, then we probably wouldn't be having this discussion. Yeah, we might be okay. Yeah, we might be okay. Um, okay, let's let's get back to the to the daily beat job you had though, because I always, 
you know, tell people like whether it's friends or family that ask me like, Oh, is there, is that something you'd ever consider doing or ever something you'd be interested in? And I always tell them that I just don't think I could ever really do that job because it seems like the sort of thing where, I don't know, you just like, you're spending every day around the same people, but you're also technically kind of reliant upon those people to help you do your job by providing you with information and interesting little nuggets that you can use for stories. And I assume the toughest part would be finding that balance between being true to yourself and maintaining your voice while also not stepping on toes and offending those people. Yeah, I think I realized like the the mental toll it takes after I left the beat and moved to this new job when I would walk in the locker room and Caps players would be like, yo, you look way less stressed out than you used to be. <laughs> um, because, you know, it's a long season, especially if the team goes in the playoffs. I mean, any playoff run is, is extra games for you as a writer, um, which, all right, I'm going to preface this. I'm just watching sports. Like, ultimately... I'm going to complain about waking up at 4.30 in the morning to go on a flight, but like at the end of it, I'm just going to land in a new city and go watch sports. Mm-hmm. So let's let's take this all with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you stretch yourself over the long season. Um, there are games where the same thing will happen four games in a row, and you can only write that Braden Holpe stood on his head and saved the team so many times. Um, so yeah, you, you have to find, I think... Um, unique angles and you know the best beat writers in the league are, are doing this i mean isabel kershuti and the woman who replaced me at the at the post is you know doing stories about the capitals crossword club or something like that it's you know <laughs> these, these little windows are you know like aaron portsline is writing stories about uh sergey bobrovsky and, and how the strength coach from the blue jackets is it, you know went over to russia to help him out and that you know that's informed how we how well he's played at certain stretches this year mm-hmm. um you need to uh, kind of telescope in and out. And the best advice I got was to basically treat the whole season like a book. And each game is a chapter. Um, and sometimes you want to, you know, go really heavy on what happened in the actual game. And, and sometimes it's very action heavy. And other times you want to telescope out and, and think about, okay, what does this, this mean in a big picture? You know, maybe they're starting a, a road trip soon or um, maybe they're, you know, going out west and they haven't had success there. And you can kind of go big picture and think about what does this mean for the trade deadline or what does this mean for their playoff chances? And um, it's kind of this undulating rhythm that you get into where um, because because of because of the pace of the season, because, you know, things happen over and over again. And it gets boring for people, I think. Um, you know, it gets boring if, if you're just writing about the penalty kill over and over. Or even if you're just writing about guys who are on hot and cold stretches, I think you need to add a little bit of personality in there. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. Especially like the game recaps, right? It's like generally the, be- the best players were why they won or, 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 or you know something bad happened and that's why they lost. It's like, how are you going to differentiate that from the other 81 gamers you're going to do in the regular season? Right, so maybe it becomes, you know, you turn it into like a mini feature story about the guy who scored the first goal. It's not the game-winning goal, but, you know, it jump-started them or something. And then, you know, because ultimately people who are reading your story probably watch the game. Um, and if they didn't, you still need to give them a sense of what happened. But uh, I feel like there's there's probably a little more latitude there than um, I initially expected. Yeah, well, so now you're a staff writer at SI, and you've definitely broadened your horizons by kind of bouncing around the league and seemingly just writing about whatever catches your eye or strikes your fancy these days. Um, I wanted to self... Literally, literally every, yeah, <laughs> literally anything at this point, yeah. So I, I selfishly wanted to have you on the show just to pick your brain about how you go about do, doing your current job, because... God, you should have found so much... You should have talked to Michael Farber or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you're more accessible. You answered my, uh, you answered my emails, so... <laughs> 
um, but no, it, like, l- listen, you, honestly, I'm not trying to butter you up, but you're becoming one of the prominent kind of feature guys in the, in the hockey world. And I think that the angles you take and the manner in which you approach kind of painting the full picture before finally digging into it is something that I appreciate just because it's, it's so different from what people like myself generally do, where it's like quick intro. Here's my main point. Here's like a chart or two that supports it. And then we're just like, we're done. And, and I'm not necessarily trying to, you know, tell a story or take this person for this wild ride. I'm more so just trying to prove a point of why a player or a team is playing well or isn't or, or what's going on or certain trends I see as opposed to actually being a storyteller. So I think that, I think that. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's room, there's, I mean, it's not to say that one's better or worse, I think, right? Like it's the totality of those make up good hockey reading for fans. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, a big, a big chunk of my learning process was like, you know, reading Justin Bourne's system stuff or reading like Myrtle or reading yeah. you or, and you know, those, those charts give you ideas and they help you think about the larger context of the league. And they, you know, I mean, for instance, like I wrote a story earlier this year about like Brock Nelson, um, and his, you know, his lineage, his his uncle and his or his great uncle and his grandfather were uh, played in Squaw Valley, and you know they they had the Christian Stick Factory. And I mean that whole story started because I looked at the uh, like stats out hockey analysis and was like Brock Nelson was like top five last year in even strength goals per sixty. Like what's up with that? Mm-hmm. Um, so then you you ask, and then it turns into something broader. But um, sorry, yeah, yeah, to your point that yeah, I mean it's I can't do my job without the rest of y'all. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you're. I think you're giving us a bit too much credit. I'm sure that you could. You'd, you'd find a way. You'd ask the right questions and get along. But it's. It's. I, I want you to walk me through your process without necessarily giving giving up all of your trade secrets and stuff like that. But it's like what goes into mm-hmm. first deciding the subject matter for your next article, and then once you've got that nailed down, just what's next? How do you approach it? Well, I'm kind of in this hybrid role where I got duties to fulfill for SI.com, but obviously the the main breadwinner at the company I work for is the print is print edition. It's the magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the longer features, the more in depth, the more publicly visible ones will go in there. So, you know, the Brent Burns, Johnny Goudreau, Sagan, Ovechkin, those all guys I wrote last year. Mm-hmm. Um, for those, it's generally, you know, it's, it's a pretty long back and forth with editors about, um, I have one editor, Sarah Kwok, who used to cover the NHL, um, for SI and now she's in an editorial role and it's very, very wonderful. So shout out to her. Um, and, you know, we'll just go back and forth about who do you want to write about, what's going on in the league. Um, you know, there's a there's a balance to strike in terms of timeliness. You don't want to necessarily write about the hot team du jour because by, by the time it comes out and by the time people actually get the magazine, the, the team could suck. Yeah. Um, so you you try to, you know, if you want to write about a hot team, you got to find a different angle there. So, like, you know, Florida Panthers last year was um, kind of writing about how wacky they were with Spacey and Space and Yager and Luongo and, you know, what was fueling their rejuvenation there. Um, so, you know, you settle on a topic and then it's, it's a lot of phone calls. You know, there are days I just, I guess, won't leave the house because you're on the phone like 12 hours a day just talking to people and transcribing and trying to do pre-reporting. And then uh, eventually you, you try to get enough in place so that when you go you're not chasing things. Um, you're not doing background reporting when you're there. You know, when, when you go down to Dallas and you talk to Tyler saying, you know, you, what you want to ask him, or you can say, Hey, you know, I talked to your, your mom or talk to your dad or talk to your youth coach or talk to your, your teammate. And, and he or she said this. Um, and then you can kind of advance the reporting that way. So you're not necessarily going and saying like, Hey, just tell me about your childhood. You already know about his childhood. You can kind of pick in, 
at the uh, the little details that you think might be relevant to the story. So as as the process goes along, your focus, I guess, starts to narrow a little bit, um, and you can start looking out for stuff uh, that you think will make it in the story. And then, you know, you spend however long it is there, um, depend usually a couple days, I think, depending on the subject, depending on the amount of access that you can get. Um, you know, you try to report around them. And usually when I'm on these trips, I'm doubling up for web stuff too. And, and those things are, you know, a little bit on the, the fringes, so to speak. I think like when I went down to Dallas and did Tyler Sagan, I, I also wrote about like Matthias Yanmark, mm-hmm. which, you know, I mean, not on the same level, but it's, it's something <laughs> that I could just kind of, you know, knock out while I'm there, I guess. Right. Um, and then you go home and then you write and then it's, it's just the general bang your head against the keyboard for like four days and tell yourself that you really, really suck at this. Um, and then eventually something comes out. So I know that you, you travel quite a bit for your job, as you mentioned, and you're, for some context, you're hanging outside of the uh, Islanders practice facility right now. So you're, uh, I am. you're on the That's clock, true. but do you think that, like, would you say that you get more enlightening or more open answers from people when you actually kind of have these face to face sit downs with them, as opposed to if you're just talking over the phone for a little bit? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, even 10 minutes or something, I mean, it's hard it's hard to get time right within the context of the season. Um, you know, morning skates are, are tough cause the guys want to get out of there and go have lunch and take their nap and ready for the game. And post game is tough cause they either want to get the hell out of there cause they're on a road trip or they just want to go home and see their family. Um, so, you know, you, you try and find those little windows and you, that, I feel like that puts a lot of pressure to maximize the opportunity, the chances that you get. Uh, um, it puts a lot of pressure to to make the questions count because you can't really beat around the bush. I mean, if you're just bullshitting for a little bit, that's, in my mind, kind of wasted time. But there's a fine line there, too. you got to actually get to know the person. You can't just come in guns blazing and they're like, who the hell is this little kid from, from SI? I've never even heard of him before. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's for sure a feeling out process. Um, I do think that having the SI label is a benefit. Um, I think that, you know, if you come in, you say, hey, I'm writing a magazine story about this guy that's different than, you know, even if I was like the Washington Post beat writer for the Capitals and I was calling someone up and saying like, hey, you know, I need this for like a print story. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, the guys in hockey generally are very willing to talk because I think they're aware of uh, where their sport falls on the, the pecking order in, in the United States, um, yeah. which is also to my benefit. Um, but at the same time, you know, when, when I call up and say hey like we're, we're interested in really doing an in-depth feature here you wind up hanging out at brent burns's house <laughs> <laughs> well we'll talk about brent burns's house in a second but I, I think that the best i've seen personally at, at that sort of thing is is uh craig Custance of espn a uh, friend of the show where like i i remember a few years ago when i was just getting started i went to the uh to the draft in philly and he was just, I was just like i just like took a step back and just watched him work the room and it's like i don't know he was like already on this next level with everyone where he just bounce around and like he wouldn't even really need the small talk he just like get all the answers out of every single person within a matter of seconds i was just like i don't know how he's i don't know how he's doing that but i'm sure he's like laid the groundwork over over many many different interactions with him oh god yeah i mean he's one of the he's one of the best there is um i mean all the espn guys i, I think it's it's cool being on the road so much at national events because you get to hang out with them mm-hmm. and you get to kind of because you know we're not necessarily doing the same thing so there's not that competition there i'm not chasing daily stuff or even really breaking news um so i can kind of float on the fringes and, and watch them work and like you said it's it's 
it's pretty amazing how seamlessly they can just kind of float from conversation to conversation and are able to get stuff out of guys. And, and it, yeah, it's, a, it's for sure a product of being around the league for a while, but um, sheer longevity is not going to get you there alone. It's, it, it takes savvy. It takes um, relationship building. It takes not being a jackass. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny how how important sort of phrasing or or putting the question in the right way is because we often see with with these like generic interviews with a player, especially like after a game or something, where it's like, "Well, tell me about this," and it's like you're just like they just give you back like a one sentence boring answer, and it's like, "Well, that was kind of a waste of time and space." But like, how do you? Like, let's say you've got an idea of, you know, you were saying you were writing about Brock Nelson or something like that, and, and you have this vague idea of where you want to go with it, but, you know, what he says to you might dramatically impact the path with which you write your article. So it's like, do you just sort of kind of leave that open to chance and just let him guide you, or do you try to steer it in a, in a particular direction when you're asking the question, hoping to get certain answers? I guess it depends on the amount of time that I have with the guy. Um, someone like Brent Burns, who's more than willing to open his house up to you and is, you know, very gracious with his, with his time outside the rink. Um, I think you can be a little more open-ended with it and just kind of say, Hey, tell me about, tell me about your world. Like, show me, show me your life. Um, what's, what is life like, um, away from SAP center or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, when you're grabbing a guy in the hallway after the morning skate, I feel like you kind of probably have to go in with a little more of, of an angle or at least a focus, um, so I think, you know, with Brock, I had, I think I had already talked to his relatives by then. Um, so that's an advantage because you, like I said, you come in and, and, um, you know what you want to ask, you know, which, which direction you can go. Um, I think that's, that's something I've tried to focus a little more on is, is at least like mapping out in my mind certain points I want to hit in an interview, especially if I know, um, that it might be a little more, you know, like Ovechkin, for instance. Like, I knew at some point in my interview with Ovechkin, I wanted to ask him about his brother, Sergei, who mm-hmm. passed away um, when he was still living in Russia. And I had kind of mapped in my mind, like, all right, how am I going to eventually get there? Um, you know, I knew I, I also wanted to ask him about, like, meeting Wayne Gretzky and stuff. And I, I, I so you, you go into an interview thinking, like, all right, I, I probably need to hit certain checkpoints because these, these things are more likely than not going to show up in my article. But as soon as you lock yourself into the rigid, I'm only going to ask these questions, I'm only going to focus on these things, um, then you're you're leaving yourself vulnerable to missing some cool stuff. Yeah. What was Brent Burns' house like? Big. <laughs> There's, um, was there a lot of, like, like leftover pizza boxes and stuff hanging out? he's very he's very healthy at home he made me some he made he, he made us grilled chicken on his green egg um there's randomly like a, a giant armored knight right in the the doorway as you walk in um he has like a, a chilled wine closet right off his living room um he's got his own gym with a hot tub and like a i think a sparring area in the back near the pool um he had his rv parked out front it's like I mean, it's literally what you would expect. Yeah, he, he added the Brett Burns Chia Pet in his kitchen. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, no, he's quite the character. Um, so th- the reason why I brought up sort of how you phrase questions and how you ask some of this stuff is because 
I'm still, you know, trying to gauge the right way to ask quote unquote hockey people about some more nuanced topics regarding on ice performance, let's say, without using buzzwords like Corsi or analytics, just because <laughs> as soon as you say that, you just risk their eyes just glazing over and them quickly jumping back into bro mode where I, I have this, I have this running theory where, you know, I think there's a bunch of guys in the league, whether it's players or, or, you know, coaches or GMs that would really be willing to have these sort of deeper informed conversations with you about it. But you kind of have to be careful how you choose your words because it's like in the schoolyard where they don't necessarily want to be seen or heard doing something they 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 think is kind of lame. So they just because yeah. like, like, they risk being made fun of their peers about it. So like as soon if they if they suspect like someone's on to them, it was like quickly you know like shell up and just you know act like they act like how they think someone who's being super cool would act like, which uh, ironically isn't very cool at all. But uh, it's like how do you how do you? It's hilarious a, to me, by the way, that that one of those words Corsi is just like this mustachioed goalie coach in St. Louis who yeah. like is a real li- live human, but his last name is like anathema to some people. Yeah. He's like the definition of a hockey person too. Like he's like a hockey lifer and just been around forever. And, and it's, uh, so how do you, how do you like, how do you dip your toes into the water? How do you, how do you start and get them talking about this sort of stuff without, you know, scaring them off essentially? I think you, you, kind of have to ask them what they know about it first mm-hmm. um or at least that that's been my approach um especially with players is like hey what what do you know about you know shot rate statistics or stuff and they'll say nothing or they'll say oh like Corsi, I, i've heard of it but i don't know what it is um i had one guy go that's that's just shots right and i was like yes that's it that's all it is <laughs> um so you kind of start there and you, you i think you probably feel out um what where they are with it um you know some guys will be more engaged with advanced stat talk some guys will like you said be in what you call pro mode (laughs) um and just and just like instantly dismissive because it's like this pavlovian reaction where you hear this word and and you clam up and because i think it, it probably speaks to this approach thing you're talking about that in the past you know guys who come up to them reporters who come up to them and and use this use this lingo or whatever, this jargon with them, this, you know, strange foreign concepts of numbers, it's probably usually, I don't know if it's in a, it's probably in a critical way, right? Like, it's usually, it's bad. Your course is usually bad when you're going to talk to someone about that. Um, Maybe not, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, at least in my experience, that's the sense I've gotten that, um, you know, just the the way it's it's been approached or the, the the fact that they don't understand it makes them initially resistant to it. So if you engage them in the level of um, like, Hey, let's just talk about what you know. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll kind of explain this to you as we go along and we'll see if it makes sense. And we'll see, you know, if, if what I'm seeing, or you, you know, you say, Hey, like the numbers show this, what do you see? Basically? Mm-hmm. Like I know, I know what I see from my eyes and my, you know, in my very, very untrained eyes. And I know what I see from, you know, reading stats that are, provided online but like what do you see is is this mirrored in the eye test and um you can kind of combine the two i mean because it you know ultimately what they say is what they believe theoretically unless they're lying to you but um you know what they say you can use because that's how they truly feel and if it doesn't match up to the stats that's one thing if it matches up to the stats is another thing but it's i think it's always helpful to just kind of go in open-ended and and just ask them you know what they think about a certain trend or a certain stat yeah 
Yeah, I, I think that you know a lot of this stuff is. I mean, we've we've discussed this off the air, but the, the whole like p- pucks on net thing, right? It's like that's what Corsi is. It's like <laughs> it's like you know all this stuff is very common sense and it's ingrained in hockey culture. So it's like it's weird to have this sort of uh, pushback against it when like we're both trying to like if, if I'm asking you a question about it, it's because I want to you know find out from your perspective as a player or as a coach or whatever what's going on here since you can provide more detail and nuance to it from behind the scenes. And, you know, I, I feel like once we sort of bridge that gap and, and mesh those two things together, that's when some of these stories will really start coming together. That's partially what's fascinated me about the whole Florida Panthers situation mm-hmm. um, is they're now held up as the symbol of analytics, right? They're the so-called computer guys, yeah. which computer, I love. Computer, computer boys. I, computer, sorry, computer boys. Let's yeah. belittle them a little more there. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that that's, that's what we're latching on to, which is like <laughs> hilarious to me because... My sense, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, you've had Merrick on, you guys talked about this, but I don't think that they're doing anything terribly advanced there. Um, my sense is that the majority of their, you know, they have Scott McDonald who's doing some analytic stuff, and, you know, they have the Canucks Army guys who are doing a lot of, uh, I think, like future projections based off past performance and stuff like that, but the majority of the day to day analytics that they're doing and, like, the recommendations and the matchup stuff is really just like shot based. It's really just um, scoring chance based and, and, you know, stuff that's like readily available um, on Corsica and stuff. I don't think that there's, there's much more beyond that, but they are, you know, they are going off, they're combining the stats, they're combining the scouting. Um, but I think the perception of them is that they're these like basement dwelling number crunchers who put lineups into a computer and it, and maybe it's not, maybe that's not the perception of them. Um, but at least it, it certain seem, certainly seems to be in a, in a um, a small sect of, of hockey reporting that, you know, these guys are, are just put, putting data into a computer and, you know, it's spitting out more data and it's telling them who to play. Um, but I think in reality, it's, it's a little more rudimentary than that. Yeah. Well, I wonder if like, you know, they got someone like, like if Dale Talon comes out and is like, yeah, the reason we picked up Seth Griffith is, is because, you know, we really like his underlying numbers and like goes on this whole thing. I'm pretty sure some of these people wouldn't be like, oh, like, like Dale Talon, like what a computer boy. Like, it's like, it's funny how. No, it's be- like we, we saw Jonathan Marshall's production elsewhere and we extrapolated it over a larger season. We thought he could produce. Yeah. Like, and we thought he was cost effective. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Yeah, um, Alex, man, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time to come chat. Where can uh, where can people find your work online? Uh, si.com. Well, and, and my and Twitter is my Twitter is Alex underscore Pruitt. Excellent. Um, yeah, man. I, I, is that I, is that is that is that what you meant? Yes, that's exactly what I meant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks for uh, in the outer reaches, the outer <laughs> reaches of the, the internet where only my mom goes. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. What's your what's your Snapchat and your Instagram and, and all that? Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks. Uh, that, that was a fun chat. I'm, all this stuff really interests me about how we can uh, sort of get better at, at covering the sport. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you came on a chat and let's uh, let's get you back on again in the near future. I'm sufficiently soothed. The Hockey PDO Cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDO Cast. <laughs>